This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 403. Thanks to MetPro Nutrition Coaching for sponsoring this episode. You can speak with a metabolic expert about your goals, whether that is to lose weight, feel better, or change your body composition. Talk to them at metpro.co slash MTA. If you decide to work with one of their coaches, you'll get 500 bucks off if you tell them that we sent you. See why we love it? Go to metpro.co forward slash MTA. Thanks also to AG1. AG1 is comprehensive daily nutrition made powerfully simple. It has 75 high quality, whole food sourced ingredients carefully curated to nourish all of your body's systems holistically. It's an important part of my morning routine. Get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA. Hello and welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast, where it's all about empowering you to run a marathon and change your life. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, we talk about food with our nutrition coach and metabolic expert, Angelo Poli. You'll hear about the importance of having reliable routines, meal timing, cooking in bulk macros, nutrient combining, the three categories of carbs, as well as his thoughts about low carbohydrate diets and recommendations for pre and post fueling for runners. Lots of great stuff. And don't forget, with an Academy membership, you can get access to all of our back podcast episodes and training plans that'll help you conquer your goals in 2023. Find out how to become a member when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. All right, great to be back on the mic for another podcast episode. We're excited about this one. We're going to dive into all kinds of nutrition wisdom, always a popular topic among runners. Well, you know what's cool about this time of the year is we hear from people who do the Disney Dopey Challenge, where you run all of the races back-to-back from the 5K all the way to the marathon. Well, first, we want to say congrats to Academy member Natalie, who started off the year with a marathon where she set a PR and got a BQ. So what a way to kick off 2023. Yeah, and she did that like the first day of January. Exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned people doing the Dopey Challenge. This comes from... Academy member Kathleen, she says, Happy New Year, MTA. Words and photos can't express how much fun I had completing the Dopey Challenge last weekend in Disney World. It truly was a magical way to celebrate turning 50. My birthday even fell on the last day, the marathon, which also marks my fifth year anniversary of my first one at the same place. If you don't know, the Dopey Challenge is a four-day event at Walt Disney World that includes back-to-back 5K, 10K, half marathon, and marathon. I thought I would be one and done after my first one in 2018, but thanks to MTA, I have found the joy in running races and marathons, and I completed my 26th marathon last weekend. I tried to run each race at an easy pace and just focused on having fun. I actually don't think I've ever felt so good after a marathon as this one. I was also able to beat my first marathon time by over an hour. Thanks to the MTA community and my former coaches, Lynn and Antonio, for all your inspiration and support. All right. Well, congratulations, Kathleen, on finishing Dopey Challenge for the second time. That's right. Well, we heard from Dale, who also did the Dopey Challenge, and um, very interesting email from him. He says, 
In anticipation of passing my 70th birthday, I decided to do something to celebrate. I signed up for the 2023 Disney World Marathon Weekend Dopey Challenge. I've run many 5Ks, 10Ks, and half marathons, but this would be my first full marathon. I realized that to complete this, I would need a coach. After looking around the web and finding great reviews for MTA, I contacted Coach Nicole and was placed with Coach Kristen. Coach Kristen is a wonder. She developed a comprehensive plan which was compatible with my somewhat unusual schedule, and we covered training, nutrition, and injuries in many coach calls. Marathon weekend arrived, and I went out and successfully completed the challenge. The 5K and 10K were easy. The half marathon was no problem. The full marathon the day after the half was difficult, but I trusted my training, kept on trotting along, and finished with none of the expected bonk. I finished all the runs with times in the upper half of those running and was pleased to be told that only 10 folks in their 70s and up age bracket completed the challenge out of over 6,000 entrants. MTA training works. So there you go, Dale getting it done at 70 years of age, doing his first marathon as part of the Dopey Challenge. It's never too late to run your first marathon. That's right. And we actually just got this email from Carlos, who just ran his first marathon. It's kind of interesting. He was at Disney as well. He says, Angie and Trevor, I wanted to drop by and say thank you. With help from the MTA podcast, I found my mantra, ran with emotional intelligence, listened to my body all the way through my first marathon training experience. Last year, I hobbled through Disney's half marathon in 2022, my first race ever. I loved the experience and after I sought out how to approach the marathon itself. I found MTA and the first episode I heard was perfect. It was Dipti Pandya walking us through her dopey experience. I was hooked. The success stories were fuel and Angie's words were insight. Trevor helped too. <laughs> Good job, <laughs> <to> Trevor. Help. <laughs> I'm super proud to be in the marathon club. Then he says, P.S. As a fun full circle, I opened Friday's newsletter and was amazed to see your write-up on Dale. He was my rabbit for a good five miles until I lost him. He had such a calming presence and ease as I trotted behind him. I felt he knew exactly what he was doing. After reading his story, I can now see why. Big congratulations to Dale and big thumbs up to Coach Kristen. Cheers and thanks again. I'm looking forward to taking action on into 2023. And that comes from Carlos. So he's running the marathon. He links up with Dale, who he doesn't know, but they just run five miles together and gets back home, gets an email from us. It's our email newsletter. And boom, he sees Dale because we featured his story right there in the email. It's truly a small world, especially (laughs) in the marathon world. (laughs) Well, congrats, Carlos, on running your first full marathon. Keep up the great work. We'd also like to say congrats to Coach Kristen. She just had a baby. That's right. She did. Yeah. Her and her husband welcomed a little baby boy. So that is an endurance challenge in and of itself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they're first. That's right. Well, it's great to speak to Angelo again. We really love having him on the show at the beginning of a new year. And I think this is our best interview with him yet. You'll hear us discuss high performance foods for runners, cooking and bulk macros for greater efficiency, the wisdom of having reliable routines, meal timing, nutrient combining, questions about pre and post-workout fueling, the three categories of carbohydrates, and lots more, and of course, practical steps that you can take. Angelo Poli is a personal trainer and metabolism expert. He's worked with over 20,000 people helping them reach their body composition goals and dial in their nutrition. So let's jump in. Well on my way, well on my way. Okay, we're on the podcast now with our nutrition coach, 
Angelo Poli. Hey guys, thanks for having me back. I so always enjoy getting to visit with you guys. Thank you. Off mic, we were just talking about, you know, Christmas traditions, but I asked you if you were Italian. Maybe the name Angelo Poli was my first clue. (laughs) Is that your first? (laughs) Well, my family, we don't do Christmas. We do vacation and we all get together as a family and we love to eat. So Mm -hmm. food is always one of my favorite topics. You were saying that your tradition is you, you guys get together on the first yeah. So that was the uh, that was the day that we lost Pop. It was uh, 2010 and uh, it was January 1. So that's kind of our special day that our family comes together. And of course, he loved Italian food. He loved mm-hmm. seafood. He, he had a few favorites. And so that's what we do. We make those favorites and we reminisce because that's what he would have wanted us to do. Well, food is what we want to talk about. Let's Something talk- that most runners love, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Let's do it. Food tastes so amazing after a marathon. I'm telling you, man. Yeah. I remember uh, even, uh, even after a run, a normal run. I oh, mean. yeah. <laughs> I have to, you know, confess while I have done a bit of running, I haven't done a full marathon, but I can tell you, of course, at, at uh, nauseum clients that I've, I've taken through the whole process. But years ago, uh, when I would work with uh, figure and fitness competitors, and they were on these ultra structured routines, sometimes two, three months at a time. That meal after competition night, you know, usually it's a Saturday night about 6.30. That's when they're on stage at 9.30. Oh, my goodness. That meal was glorious. And I remember <laughs> those days. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm sure each athletic, you know, subtype has their own rituals around food and, you know, their indulgences. And for a lot of us coming off the holidays, We've had a lot of feasting and probably eating some foods we normally don't partake in a whole lot because they don't necessarily fit into our fitness or performance goals. So let's kind of talk about food for performance. Is there such a thing as high performance foods? You know, because sometimes you'll you'll see these lists like, you know, foods for performance, but is that actually a thing? Is it a thing? Okay, I'm <laughs> going to start fairly anticlimactic here. Um what there are is there are highly nutritious foods. So when you think of superfoods or, or high performance foods, you know, there's kind of two categories. There's supplements. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of vitamins and supplements and the right ones. But, you know, I, I try and remind my athletes, you know, I can't tell based on your performance, whatever your sport is, but running and marathons is probably one of the most telling. I can see everything. Uh, you, you share with me your times based on your history. You share with me how you felt, your digestion, your performance, and I can tell you what you did or didn't do in the 72 hours leading up to that event. I cannot tell if you didn't take your super greens the night before. I absolutely can tell if we missed our carb intake, if our meal timing was off, if our macronutrient ratios weren't good, if you had a gut bomb the day before, you had too high fat foods, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't wonderfully healthy foods that help improve vitality, are good for our health and performance. 
you know, fruits and vegetables and uh, slow digesting complex carbs, lean proteins. In my book, that's what we refer to as uh, superfoods or high performance foods, but you have to get them all in the right combination, the right ratios, and one isn't going to cut it. You need to use a diversity. <laughs> you can't just eat blueberries for 24 hours and expect to like have a high performance race. You're probably going to have diarrhea. <laughs> exactly. But you know, Angie, that is more common than you'd think. I have even very well-known athletes who well-meaning got on these kicks of, well, I'm eating all these these blueberries, all these fruits, and all these vegetables, but boy, I'm just running into energy issues, not realizing that there's more than just micronutrients involved. There's total calories and energy balance involved, and they were under-fueling themselves. So mm -hmm. the key is include those, but make sure your fuel is where it needs to be. I remember when we were living in Missouri, there was a local 5K and Angie and I were going to run that 5K and then go out to dinner. So I grabbed a handful of peanuts, um, maybe two handfuls. I really love peanuts. <laughs> maybe a whole bag. Who knows? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then, you know, like 15 minutes later, I was running and man, I felt those peanuts. I'm like, I shouldn't have eaten that because I was really trying to get first place in my age group. But... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the one time Trevor tried to place in his age group, yep. the peanuts. And, and I and felt decided it. to go out with nothing but but some good, you know, fats in your stomach, a little yeah. protein. And well, yeah, hey, at least you got salt from the peanuts. That's okay. <laughs> but when uh, when Ashley and I got married, so eons and eons ago, she, she's in the other room giving me the stink eye right now. She can hear me. Um, when we got married, I, of course, wanted to look good. So I was eating really clean. I put myself on almost a contest prep routine for a couple months before wedding day. And then on our honeymoon, the second night in, uh, I decided, yeah, I'm going to have myself some cookies. My weakness is Oreos. <laughs> and man, I got one of the small packages, but I just wiped it out. And I was mm -hmm. like, man, this is, oh, this is heaven. And we went into town and I was walking down the street or on the, the West Coast here in a town called Fort Bragg. I had to duck into an alleyway and lie down. I had such a blood sugar attack. My pancreas was just like, I'm done. I had to lie down in the alley for five minutes because my body was so not used to that sugar yes. overload all at once. I couldn't handle it. So right now, Angie's, Angie's thinking, what a lightweight. <laughs> just one sleeve? <laughs> just one sleeve. Because <laughs> no, but I, I think that's a good point is for balance. You know, we don't want to like demonize any one food or we don't want to throw out whole food groups because right. there is a way to achieve your performance and your health goals by eating a healthy, balanced diet. But like some foods yeah. in certain amounts are going to cause, you know, some negative reactions. And we've all had that happen, you know, whether it was yep. Christmas meal and you realize like, wow, that was a really high fat meal. And now I have terrible heartburn. Or, you know, we've all, <laughs> we've had the Oreo yeah. moment in the alley, uh -huh. you know. <laughs> Oreo moment in the back alley. Uh, well, let me, let me actually comment on that because this is a topic that comes up all the time. We'll get some very excited clients coming on board with some very definitive goals. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to follow a meal plan and I'm going to eat perfect. And we tell them, no, you're not. <laughs> so first of all, 
I've been doing this 20 years. No, you're not. <laughs> Nobody does. Right. Then the people that try to go to extremes, they crash and burn. You have to have some balance. Life's not worth it. None of your goals are worth it if you can't have a piece of pizza or, in my case, a sleeve of Oreos once Amen. in a while. <laughs> <laughs> the, the key yeah, is exactly. you stay in control of that. You know, you're going to go out and people ask me all the time, well, what should I do? I have, you know, family coming in. Well, when, you know, how often does this happen? Oh, I only get to see them a few times a year. Like you should go eat whatever you want and enjoy them. Mm-hmm. And the next day, get right back on track into your routine. One meal, it's just not a thing. People mm-hmm. will ask me, well, what's going to happen if on this date or this holiday or this occasion I cheat? nothing's going to happen. Nothing. Because there's going to be 85 meals between now and then that you're going to be eating. I want you to hit about 80 to 85% of them clean. And you're going to do amazing. And that one off meal, it's not going to amount to anything. Now, if you indulge, and then you keep those indulgences lying around the house and wipe them out day by day over the next five to seven days, now you're going to do some damage. But one-offs here or there, it's not a thing. I think that's a great point because, you know, we're in the new year and lots of the clickbait, you know, marketing out there, it's like seven days to lose 15 pounds or whatever, or like this strict program or eliminate this or get rid of that or you know, go all in kind of thing. It's very like appealing because unfortunately we're programmed to want quick results. Like Mm -hmm. that's in all of us, I think. But realistically, that is only going to probably lead to discouragement in the long run. You lose the 10 pounds and you gain 15 back. And we've all experienced that. (laughs) Years ago, when I still had um, brick and mortar locations, when I was first starting, every summer, I would get parents that would bring their their teenage sons and daughters in, you know, anywhere from 13 to 15 years old and say, you know, can we get a diet for him or her to lose some weight over the summer? And I would always have the same conversation. I can provide you a a meal strategy for your son or your daughter that will cause them to lose 20 pounds over the summer. But be warned, all that's going to do is cause them to look back on this summer with disdain as the year that they didn't get to live life, they didn't get to enjoy, they're going to have a bad taste in their mouth for the concept of diet and clean eating. And it didn't happen. In other words, none of the benefits are going to stick this time next year. That 15, 20 pounds will have come right back on. Nothing will have changed. How much better if we work with and we start incorporating some clean habits? Add, in addition to the treats and the indulgences, add healthy foods on top of that. Let's trade some inactive activities for active activities and explore items that your son or daughter like. Now, they may not lose 15 pounds this summer. Maybe they'll lose four or five. But you know what? You're setting them up to have another successful summer and another successful summer after that. Same principle. Now, of course, we have some high-performing athletes listening, no doubt. And so the rules are going to change a little bit for them, right? Where we have a goal, we want to really dial it in for a time. But balance is really key. I can't emphasize this enough. Having a routine, Um, And this, we just recently were doing all the research on this. 
all the independently verified studies have shown that success is greater when you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to improve performance or whatever you're trying to do when you are consistent. Uh, in other words, if I say, raise your hand if you know what you're going to roughly have for lunches this week, if you can answer that question, generally, even if you stray here or there, if you can generally answer that question, your odds of success exponentially greater than if you are just completely winging your health and nutrition strategy day by day. Yeah, that's a good point. I remember on past um, episodes we've had you on, you've talked about one huge key to success is packing snacks with you, like having that plan, because inevitably you are going to get hungry, you know, whether it's mid-morning, mid-afternoon. And if you don't have a plan for that, then it's the vending machine. It's, you know, your willpower gets low. and We can't depend on willpower as a, as a consistent strategy. Yep. Correct. You, 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 we want to be practical. Willpower can get you only so far. When you're hungry, your body needs to eat. Mm-hmm. And what do we do? We, we stop in the middle of the day. We're, you know, we're dropping off Johnny. We're paying bills. The boss has the deadline. We have to meet so-and-so here. You're going to grab whatever is in your geographic location. It has nothing to do with healthy, not healthy. I'm going to go home and start chopping vegetables and grilling chicken. (laughs) There's no time for that. (laughs) So it's just the facts of life. If you have a quality snack, and and just to recap that, I like low perishable. I like portable. I like it to be non-messy. And I like it to be something you can consume quickly. So those are the attributes I'm looking for. And with my clients, I ask them straight out, can you commit to me? Even if we go sideways on on a dinner here or a lunch there, could you commit to me to making it your general routine to having this afternoon snack? Because if they do that, it's easy. It's really low table stakes. And boy, is that a disruptive behavior in a positive way. It really changes a lot. So I've heard when it comes to meal prep, I've heard the saying prep by macro, not by meal. So I wonder if you could elaborate on that. Now, wherever did you hear that, Trevor? (laughs) (laughs) Here's what that means. Time-saving strategies are king. If it takes you too long, you won't do it. You can't do it. It's just the realities of life in 2023, right? I can't believe saying that 2023. (laughs) But that's the realities of life. So we end up, in order to getting to explore our science, we have to also explore what's the most effective tricks of the trade and strategies for saving time. And if I ask someone to go into their kitchen and prepare gourmet clean meal after clean meal day after day, yeah, that, that's going to last about three days and we're <laughs> going to fall apart. Um, but what does work and we have seen consistently over time is if we can help our clients to become more effective at cooking in bulk macro, then putting meals together becomes exponentially simpler. Now mm-hmm. you're not cooking and preparing. You're really just taking the food and, and adding it to your plate, reheating if you want, and portioning out based on a strategy. And then there's this added psychology of sunken costs. Have you ever heard that term before, sunken costs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's used negatively, like it, with gambling, you know, oh, I have to mm-hmm. you know, double or nothing because I've already got so much in. 
well, I've already cooked up all these, you know, this pot of brown rice or oatmeal or sweet potato, or I have this grilled chicken or I have tofu or whatever it is your thing is that you want to make up. I don't want to let it go to waste. So you're more <laughs> likely to go for that than to say, oh, I'll just go run and grab something quick down the street. You know, you're more likely to grab those healthy foods. Yeah, that's so. true. Yeah. And I, I know for listeners who have families and are thinking like, how am I going to approach counting macros with a family who is not going to be doing the same kind of eating plan as I am? We've got three growing boys. Our oldest is 18 and then a 16 and 12. And so, you know, they're big boys. They've got big appetites. And, you know, we've been able to like, we were talking about batch process things, like make up a whole bunch of chicken breasts That's and it. brown rice and green beans. And then Trevor and I can pick out, according to our macros, they can like go whole hog on whatever they want, you know? So like, it's very practical for even an individual or a family to do that and cost effective too. <laughs> And just as an aside, our kids talked us into buying an air fryer. Oh, <laughs> have you tried, nice. Have you tried one of those, man? We can cook chicken breast in this air fryer. It keeps it nice and moist. Even Trevor can cook in the air fryer. That's right. It's like the grill, but... It's total idiot proof. <laughs> those are all the rage right now. I have had multiple clients and friends tell me about their air fryers. So I yes. think that's awesome. See, those are the type of <laughs> tricks of the trade and tools um, I know that Instapot is also real, real popular. You can do a lot with that. There are definitely mm -hmm. time-saving strategies, but cooking in bulk macro is one of those, those no-brainers that just really make everything easy, where people think food prepping for a family is uh, this laborious, time-consuming event. When you do it right, it actually ends up saving you time that you would put into food prep. But getting into that routine takes some doing, but it can yep. really pay off big. Sure. <laughs> and it does. And, and the whole health of the family, you know, because then you're not last minute, like ordering pizza for the family several nights a week, because, you know, you haven't thought ahead and you don't have any food on hand. So, you know, it's the trickle down effect that as adults get healthier, then often the children in the household get healthier too. It's the simple little things, small tweaks that from a time management standpoint, make the biggest difference. And so, yeah, th there's a lot of benefit to be had by meal prepping in a time efficient way. So while we're on the topic of macros, what's the science behind combining macros or, or nutrient combining? Nutri okay. Nutrient combining or macro combining. Um so that, that's going to really depend on what your goal is, where you're coming from. So the, the purpose and the reasons for that are going to be a little different. If our goal is, hey, we want to hit a faster marathon time, we want to have a little more gas in the tank, we want to optimize performance uh, versus, hey, I want to be healthier or I want to lose a few pounds. And so with food combining, what we're looking for is an optimal ratio over the course of the day and meal by meal. And I'm going to say that for our audience here, for, for runners, the meal by meal is even a little more critical than for the average person. Because with runners, you get to add in an additional layer, and that is digestive. I could give you a great meal to eat, but trust me, you're not going to go eat that meal right before you go on a you know 10-mile run. <laughs> so uh, there's different layers of what we're putting into this. So let me rewind a little and explain a little bit of the science of how we apply this at MetPro and maybe you'll, or the listeners will get a few takeaways. Um, 
we break down carbohydrates into three categories. That's a a bit of a flaw in a lot of the, the approach from the industry to say, okay, you want to have such so much percent come from protein and fat. That's fine. But then when you get to the carb and you just get a number, whether it's a daily total or a meal total, that's a little deceiving because getting 25 grams from broccoli is completely different than getting 25 grams from fruit juices, which is different from fruit, which is different from brown rice, which is different from, you see, so we actually break it up between what we refer to as meal carb, snack carb, and veggie carb. And that way we can define which meals we want to have more fibrous carbs in, which meals we want faster digesting carbs, such as some fruits or higher glycemic items, and which meals we want slow digesting complex carbs. And so depending on the time of day, the time of your run, and frankly, whether or not you're trying to also lose weight or not, is going to dictate what your ideal macro ratios are on a meal-by-meal basis. So for runners, what do you recommend pre- and post-workout? Because you alluded to before that you know what you eat before a run is not going to be the same as what you eat after a run for digestive reasons, energy reasons, all of that. So going back to the macro ratio concept, the canned answer, the very generic answer is uh, you want carbohydrates for glycogen replenishment as the dominance. And you want that both before and after your runs, your events or your workouts uh, for optimal fueling and glycogen replenishment. And along with that, you're going to want a little bit of protein, which is an ideal situation, especially pre, you don't necessarily want to get high fat because that's going to slow down the usability of those carbohydrates in the form of glucose, glycogen, et cetera. And post, same concept. Now, here's why that's not as helpful as you might think. <laughs> there, there's a number of caveats, though that is the general um, recommendation. There's a number of caveats to that because that is all assuming that you have a structured routine in place that is already allocating for adequate levels of, for example, fats in your diet. Sometimes, to people's surprise, even pre-workout uh, or run, we include some fats in that pre-run meal, but not for the reasons people would think. It's more pragmatic. It's because overall, we can't have a person skipping fats. An ultra-low-fat diet is not going to be ideal hormonally and for a host of different reasons. Mm. Now, if you don't have any fats in the meal right before you run and you don't have any fats in the meal right after you run and you only eat three meals a day, what are you going to get? 60 grams of fat in one meal? That's not a good idea. It's like two handfuls of peanuts. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be on the Trevor diet. (laughs) Who are these people who only eat three meals a day? That's what I'm wondering. (laughs) Right. Right. So the answer has to be predicated upon what is your base meal plan. And now I'm going to say something that might sound controversial, but this is one of those uh, science has to give way to a measure of behavioral practicality. 
before I let my new clients focus on pre and post, I want to first get them into a structured breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacking routine. And if their fuel isn't adequate, then I'm going to focus on post recovery first, assuming that they've always had a good balanced pre meal before their activity at some point because they're eating regularly. Now, as we get into those more elite athletes, okay, now we're, we're fairly high performing, we're already eating an adequate, decent amount of calories, carbohydrates. That's where now, um, for example, I'm working with a, uh, a triathlete, Ironman, he actually qualified for Kona this year. And in his case, what we're doing is his base template uh, changes very little over his training season. He has his routine for his breakfast, lunch, snacks. What fairly dramatically changes is the additional pre and post, which by the way, if he doesn't train that day, he doesn't get. So it's kind of this natural built-in lever. And then of course, his intra-training fuel, which if he's you know training for six hours in a day is gonna be much higher than if he's just doing a 30-minute sprint. So those are gonna be the levers that we're using. And on at that level of competition, I mean, he, he's top 1% to even qualify for that. So don't think this is what you have to do day one if you wanna start <laughs> working towards a, you know, a 5K. But at that level, he's eating four to five times a day base and then another twice a day based on where he's positioning his his training. And then those rules generally apply. I have him with a scenario where he's eating a higher carb meal, uh, a little bit of protein, low on the fats, no vegetables with those meals. We don't want that fiber in those cases slowing down the digestion rate. Again, that's assuming you're getting some vegetables elsewhere. If you're not, well, I'm going to make you eat vegetables even post <laughs> because that's more important, right? Um, so, and I, I know where this is leading. Give me an example. What type of food? So, I'll give you just a real basic, simple example. Carbohydrates. Before you exercise, before you go on a run, I'd love to see oatmeal for a slow digesting carb with some banana for a faster digesting and just a little bit of protein of your choosing. Now, you can trade any of those ingredients, oatmeal for any other complex, slow digesting carb, banana for any other fast digesting. Now, before you go on that run, I would favor a little more banana and then post a little less banana. And that really is a case-by-case -case individual athlete scenario. Just remember that simple carbs favor blood glucose level, so more of an immediate. Slow digesting carbs are going to favor glycogen replenishment, uh, which is why though there are some sports nutritionists that like to get a quick shot of fast acting right after. I prefer steady throughout the day because generally when I'm going into performance-based events with my clients, I know their base meal plans are solid and they're not at a deficit at any point. When you have someone that's a little more erratic, well, then your recovery carb intake sometimes has to be more extreme. Your pre-race loading, carb loading phase needs to be a little more aggressive. You take the edges off that when you're going into these events already somewhat consistent. I find a lot that I hear from female athletes, you know, particularly marathoners who either end up under eating 
um, you know, sometimes like skipping breakfast or loading their macros into maybe two meals a day. And it really makes a difference in your performance and your energy levels, not only during your sport of choice or your workout of choice, but also through the rest of the day, being able to think clearly. Um, and so I know some people who have started on NetPro, they're like, how do you eat this much food? You know, like for them, it's a huge dramatic shift because sure. either they were, you know, eating a huge dinner, but not really eating much during the day or just not getting in um, balanced, you know, macronutrients, especially protein, I find is is a really hard one for people to get in, especially women. So um, I think that's, that's really revolutionized my approach to eating is realizing that spreading it out throughout the day pays huge dividends. <laughs> this is a strategy that I have had the honor of getting to work with uh, some phenomenal athletes, household name athletes. And even at the highest level of athletics, uh, a lot of this can sometimes go missed in the bodybuilding world. You'll never find that. You're never going to find the you know intermittent fasting or you you um, because that's a sport that instantaneously exposes what the body is doing with the fuel. And what they have found is that eating frequently lays the foundation for the body to be able to utilize optimally more fuel. And the name of the game is getting more fuel through you now. It's a little different for runners. You don't want to just more fuel for the sake of more fuel necessarily, but getting it in an optimized way. The research and the studies will show this has been researched at nauseum. So this is not an obscure report that I'm referencing. This is at nauseum. Many, many research studies have done on this. How do you cut calories, for example, for weight loss? And there's with intermittent fasting, there's, you know, 5-2 method. There's the eat for uh, an eight-hour window. There's only eat on certain days of the week. There's all these different methods. And what they've done is they have compared every different method against just straight calorie restriction. And you know what the result was? It's about the same. What it shows is regardless of the timing, um, total energy restriction is going to be the greatest driver of total either pounds lost. Now, the only reason I bring that up is because usually when people get into a habit of skipping meals, it's kind of a knee-jerk reaction to, uh, I overate and I don't want to, you know, the next, I don't want to start packing on pounds. And while, you know, you understand that, let your digestion rest for a minute as an ongoing routine, there are downsides as far as performance to skipping. When you get meals frequently, your body can only absorb so much protein in one sitting. Your body needs, especially female athletes, your body needs a certain amount of fats. If you're only eating two meals a day, either you're not getting enough of those fats to be optimal, or you're eating a whole lot in one sitting. And here's the part that is most frequently missed. At some point, you want to speed your metabolism. And that's both for performance, glycogen uptake, hormones, and how that whole system works together, and for weight management long term. If you want to speed your metabolism, you want to actually be able to eat more. And if you only have two meals to add to, it's very hard to do that without gaining body fat. If you have four, five or six meals slash snacks spread out throughout the day, very easy for your body to acclimate to a small increase across the board. 
And so when I'm training, whether it's a pro athlete or whether it's someone who's just trying to rehab their metabolism, I want them to be able to utilize more fuel. So we're going to do that by spreading meals out to the extent possible, but we don't do it randomly. You mentioned, Angie, that some people feel like, oh, it's so much food. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) the truth is that's because often when you're eating real clean foods, they're more voluminous. You know, Mm -hmm. when you're having sweet potato or brown rice and, you know, vegetables, they feel voluminous. But (laughs) those calorie increases are going to be very gradual and very calculated. They can't happen all at once. If you increase your food volume too high immediately, that's going to be a nightmare. So it's based on the speed your metabolism acclimates. There's a lot of real interesting approaches out there. Have you guys ever heard people asking about doing like a um, intra-training or in, rather intramuscular triglyceride type approach where they're eating more fats and burning more fats, fat metabolism optimized for running? Have you guys heard much about that? Yeah. We actually both came from a kind of a, a low carb, higher fat perspective. You know, in the day we dabbled with that and, you yep. know, had some limited success. Um, for me, it was fairly limited. And then my body was not happy with that method for very long. But you know, it seems like often men tend to do better on that for longer, because they don't have as much, you know, hormonal balance to to figure out. But anyway, what you're saying. (laughs) It's interesting, because people will ask me often about different approaches. And, um, you know, sometimes people get the wrong idea, uh, you know, what the coaches at MetPro do, everything's on the table. And we have, actually, I'll tell you an interesting story about uh, an approach like that. Uh, This was over a decade ago um, when I was working with uh, Aaron Rodgers. We did an endurance training protocol for a short period of time um, that, you know, I I was working with him and a number of other high performance athletes. And, and, you know, training is a big part of uh, a lot of these guys' lives. So they're always up for trying new protocols. And so one of the things that we did with him is we had him participate in a very, uh, and a few other athletes in a really unique endurance training protocol where we would go into endurance training in a fasted state, no juice, no, you know, not even coffee, nothing that's going to uptake any sort of glycogen, uh, for a minimum eight hours before this training. So it would always be first thing in the morning. Uh, and we would put them on either a bike or an elliptical or something that had stable RPMs. So we could bring them up to a certain RPM threshold and keep their output and intensity stable for the duration of their training session. And then we'd strap them into a heart rate monitor, a quality heart rate monitor, and really closely monitor um, the pulmonary drift and change in heart rate. And what would happen is athletes would invariably, uh, their heart rate would increase gradually and then level off at a moderate heart rate zone. The circumstances have to be near perfect for this to actually work because of blood viscosity. If you're not rehydrating with just enough water per hour, et cetera, uh, you know, what you get is pulmonary drift related to thickening of the blood, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to have kind of an ideal scenario to experience this. But an interesting thing happens is a phenomenon, uh, with the human body, where once you deplete the fats at the muscle site, your body will have to switch to using glycogen. In order to make that switch, there's a hormonal response. Some adrenaline is evolved, at least to a degree, that um, your heart rate starts climbing. 
And that's how you can actually know if you've depleted, um, you've depleted the fat stores triglycerides at the muscle site. So what we would have some of these high performing athletes do is they'd get on uh, like an upright bike or recumbent, hit a certain RPM intake, their heart rate would rise and then stabilize. And about 45, 50 minutes in, all of a sudden that heart rate would start to spike. And when that happened, you're done. Why? We know you've depleted all the triglycerides at the muscle site. After three weeks, five weeks, eight weeks of doing this, that heart rate wouldn't spike for it would sometimes climb from 40 minutes to an hour and a half to two hours, two hours and 10 minutes, showing that the body actually adapts and can become a better fat burning machine. So it's fascinating how your body can switch and get used to different fuel sources. Now I'm telling that interesting um, experience and experiment to say nowadays, what we find is less than 1% of high-performing athletes increase performance beyond what they would do with more kind of run-of-the-mill traditional sports nutrition where they're increasing glycogen usage, moderate carb loading before races. And so a lot of people, and the, the reason that is, is because it's so easy to have even one thing throw that whole scenario off. In order to try and dance in that, well, I'm going to condition my body nutritionally to burn lipids for fuel, you have to pretty much move to the dark side of the moon. (laughs) (laughs) And, And so because of that, we see such good results with fueling using a balanced macro ratio. Um, While I do have some clients that we have dabbled with that, the vast majority, what we find is a balanced macronutrient ratio base somewhere in the middle and then start for endurance athletes start increasing the carbohydrates, decreasing a little bit the fats, a little bit the proteins, um, and then gradually increasing totals, calories over time. That's a great starting point. But where everyone personally and individually is going to perform their best, that's where a whole lot of back and forth comes in. Um, That's where we have to evaluate, track, adjust and that that's what the metabolic profiling we we love to do we love to geek out on but it's it's really fun science when you get into it sorry for the nerdy tirade (laughs) hey we have lots of nerds that listen to this podcast so you you've pretty much described i think angie's whole journey when she started with you guys and i'll let her tell a story but then she's qualified for boston multiple times now getting back to a place of balance kind of fixing your metabolism and then optimizing for performance. Yeah. When I first started, I had a significant amount of fat that I wanted to lose. It was hindering my performance. Let's just put it that way. It's not easy to run with (laughs) extra baggage. Um, So, you know, I kind of told my coach initially, like, I don't care about my running performance. Let's just work on reducing fat. And, you know, because you can have it all, but you can't have it all at once. And so we really dialed that in, dialed in, kind of getting to know my metabolism, getting me set up with good 
healthy food combinations and habits as far as my meal timing and things like that. And and yeah, I just experienced dramatic fat loss, which as a byproduct helps my running performance. Who knew, you know, (laughs) (laughs) as I got to more of like a maintenance phase, then we were really able to dial in more of the performance. And I never had trouble eating the macros. Let me just put it out there. Like, give me all the food. (laughs) 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 Experiment with how much I could increase my nutrients just um, and see what the effect would have on you know, my running, my energy levels, because of course, you know, we all want to perform well in running, but we also want to feel good the rest of the day, Mm -hmm. you know? So if, you know, if you perform well as a runner, but then you feel like crap the rest of the time, like there is a mismatch there. And so I think for me, this was the perfect coming together of everything that I needed to get figured out. So. (laughs) And Angie was a good soldier, man. Let me tell you, (laughs) she was a good student. She follows her program and just kicks butt. I like my routines. (laughs) It has to be something that's sustainable because if it's not sustainable, if you're not feeling good, then you're not going to keep it up if it doesn't work into your lifestyle. And so I think that is one of the the major things that was helpful for me. I I always like what's actionable, what's the takeaways. Mm -hmm. Um, And for our listeners, have a priority hierarchy. So if you're just dabbling in, hey, you know, we're going into 2023, I want to buckle down, increase my performance, maybe I have some body composition goals, start with getting into a base meal plan routine. Uh, And and if if you were working with us at MetPro, that's where we would start. Then start adding in, make sure that that base meal plan covers your performance needs. At minimum, I would encourage... I know that this might be a shift for some people, at least four meals. If you can do five, great. Four is a great starting point. That's real easy because you just do breakfast, lunch, dinner, and at least one snack a day. Um, work towards a foundation of clean eating. It's ne- You're never going to be perfect, and it never means you're going to never go off your routine. It simply means you have a routine that you slide back into. This is your normal day-to-day. Balanced macros. Don't let your meal plan have an identity crisis. I just It's so common. What I see is people attempting some sort of a low-carb, except for they're undermining their efforts because they're really only low carb on some days. And if you're not all the time going a low carb approach, jettison that approach for about there's more than one way to get where you're going. And that's not something you'll typically hear me say as directly, but to the running community, you guys need your carbs. Unless you're going to say goodbye to them indefinitely, you need your carbs. <laughs> um, so moderately spread them out throughout the day. Once you've mastered that, the next step is a good post-workout or post-run recovery meal to add in. And it's going to be heavier in carbohydrates, little bit of protein. You don't need fats. You don't need fiber. If you already have all those things in place, depending on the timing of your run, you might want to add a pre-run meal that's separate from your normal routine. And that would be similar, mostly carbohydrates, a little bit of protein. For that, I personally like to lean into some uh, higher glycemic fruits. I find that that works really well. Make health a priority. Avoid gimmicks. It's so easy to run into those gimmicks. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's no surprise. If you do nothing but drink the liquid shakes for two weeks, you're going to lose 10 pounds. It will come flying back on. 
you will lose eight pounds of body fat, two pounds of muscle, you will gain <laughs> all 10 back in body fat, and your metabolic rate will be that much slower and that much harder next time you try and make a more permanent shift. Skip the gimmicks, do it the right way. Um, and we love talking with people. You can always call us up just to have a conversation and just learn. Tell us about because in order for us to say, okay, here are scenarios we've worked with high performing athletes or ones just getting started similar to you, demographic, gender, body type, age, the whole nine yards, food culture. Here's what we've done before. And it's never just a one solution fits all. It really right. is. There's multiple ways, multiple levers and dials. It's a matter of finding what's going to work best for you personally. That, that's what we're passionate about at MedPro. Well, you guys are changing lives. This past November, I was at the Richmond Marathon and I had a, a meetup for podcast listeners. And, and now I'm starting to meet people in person who are working with MetPro coaches uh, because they've heard about it on the podcast. So, there, so there's a gentleman there named Greg who was all excited about the weight that he's lost. And then there's a, an academy member named Parker who has been working with you guys. And the dude has lost uh, 40 plus pounds since starting on MetPro and his marathon times are of course improved and he's just loving it. So it's really neat to see. Stories like that keep me in the game, Trevor. I love it. I love hearing that. That's what it's all, that's what it's all about right there. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you taking this time with us, Angelo. I know our listeners are going to find this extremely helpful and we hope that your start to 2023 is awesome. And we know you're going to, mm -hmm. you're going to kill it. <laughs> yeah. And thanks for all that you guys do there at MetPro. It's mm -hmm. been awesome working with you guys. Indeed. It's been an honor uh, getting to work with you guys and the audience. And thanks for having me on as the first of 2023. It's an honor. All right, big thanks to Angelo Poli for speaking to us here on the MTA podcast. Always fun to talk with him. He's got so much energy and passion for what he does. Never met the guy in real life, but we've had many, many calls and he shows up to every call just as excited as he does on the podcast. I remember we were hanging out with Coach Natalie, who was your first Met Pro coach. And I'm like, is Angelo that way in real life? He's like so high energy. She's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he brings it every time. So I'd encourage everyone to head over to metpro.co forward slash MTA and schedule a consultation call. They're free and you can just see if it's a good fit for your goals. That's right. Metpro.co forward slash MTA. See if it's a good fit for you and uh, tell them we sent you. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for being a listener. If we can help you in any way, we have a contact form on our website over at marathontrainingacademy.com. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my way, right on my way.